Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, in all honesty, I thought the chances of us talking about a British victory in any of the ties at all was pretty remote let alone what has just happened and transpired in Glasgow. Hello, everybody. Uh, This is David and Matt here on the Tennis Podcast. Catherine was going to join us as well from Turin. She's arrived there today. There have been some shenanigans along the way with her journey, as as there usually is, and her room uh, was falling apart upon arrival, and there was a a man trying to to fix the roof in the place to stop it overheating, and goodness knows what. And eventually we had this epic night of tennis and now Catherine couldn't come on because it got too late and she's got to go and do media day first thing in the morning so Catherine's not here she will be at some point over the next few days but Matt we have enough to be getting our teeth into even without Catherine uh, here to join us because yeah Great Britain have reached the semi-finals of the Billie Jean King Cup for the first time since the event was called the Federation Cup in 1981 And they've done it, and they needed to do it by beating Spain in all three rubbers in the tie today, which honestly is an outlandish idea at the start of the day. And and even after Heather Watson won her first singles rubber and uh, Harriet Dart went to a break of serve up against Paola Badosa, who's one of the best players in the world, it still seemed pretty unlikely at best. And yet, Britain has done that. I mean, tell me what the atmosphere and the reaction in your circles, you're in the media room a lot, you're around the place, you're in Glasgow, you've been in the stadium. What has it been like today? Well, I can bring you some very immediate reaction from Simon Briggs, who I passed on the way to come and record this podcast with you, David. And he said that we're in inside-out underwear territory because he has got to rearrange his trip because he's staying on for the Brits. He wasn't expecting (laughs) to be here on Saturday, and he's going to have to be because, yeah, Britain are into the semifinals. So that's, that's your Simon update. Otherwise, I think it... To me, it felt a little bit like those days you get at a Grand Slam sometimes where results seem to catch you know, and you get one upset and then on another court, you get another one. And there's just this slightly strange feeling in the air. And it was like that. It was like a chain reaction of unexpected results, one after the other. And I think each result gave the player that followed the belief that they could do it as well. You know, I think all the players have been crediting Heather Watson for getting things started for Britain. And she was Brilliant. That was unlikely. And then you had Harriet Dart, and that was even more unlikely. And then you had the doubles team of Alicia Barnett and Olivia Nichols, who, quite frankly, not a lot of people knew who they were five or six days ago. And now they're the absolute stars of this competition with what they've done tonight. And that was extremely unlikely as well. So a pretty surreal day, a pretty random day, not one that I predicted at all or thought would happen, but also a very fun day. I would sort of quantify it a bit like a big 
Cup upset in football, which is always kind of a bit funny as well. I think everyone's everyone's thought that this is quite amusing in a way. It, it, it's not sort of spectacular and blowing your mind. It's just it's just quite fun, isn't it, that Britain have managed to do this? Yeah, we all we all feel a bit drunk on it uh, and haven't touched a drop personally. But Matt uh, has <laughs> represented the the team here with where he's got his bottle of beer in hand. First day there's been alcohol in the press room. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you know, there's no coincidence no. there, is there? Simon Briggs of the Telegraph is in on Inside Out underwear territory. I mean, you know, this is this is tennis podcast sweet spot right here, folks. <laughs> this is what we what we like. I mean, the last time Great Britain reached this stage of this competition. The the two singles players were Virginia Wade and Sue Barker. I mean, <laughs> that that should put it into perspective for you. And Sue Barker managed to win her singles. Then they combined in the doubles um, to to beat the same opponents as they've got here in 2022 Australia. That was in the semifinals. Then it's going to be the semifinals again here. And along the way in that run, the British team beat a USSR team, which contained Stefanos Tsitsipas's mum. Oh, fantastic. I mean, here's me going over the Wikipedia page 20 minutes ago before Matt gets on the Zoom thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to impress Matt here. I'm going to have some stats and knowledge already by the time he gets here. Oh, and he comes and unleashes that one. I have to say that is not uh, my original. That is courtesy of Nick Imerson of the ITF in the press room here. Okay, He came up with that one. But I thought it was good, good, good way, and Nick. worthy of sharing. Yeah, it, it most certainly is. Um, yeah, well, look, let's... Let's go back over the the day and those matches that you've had. Because and I, and I think I should say as well, in reference to that run from nineteen eighty one, I was looking over that. I mean, that was in Tokyo, and there, there. I, I'm not exactly sure how many rounds there the were, but there were loads of teams in that competition, and it was straight knockout. Um, and you know, I've I've spent the last few days. And frankly, the last few years of my life, <laughs> whinging about round robin, haven't I, Matt? And on the podcast, off the podcast, in the WhatsApp group, <laughs> anytime any, any, anything happens where somebody says, oh, if, if, um, if so-and-so beats uh, the opponent in three sets, they go through. If they, if they do it in straight sets, they don't. Or what, you know, all this nonsense. And... Here today, I have to hold my hands up and tell you that round robin elevated that experience today. And it wasn't the only match. There was there was one earlier on that we'll come on to as well, which which didn't end up in quite the same territory as this one. But the idea of coming into a day where the home team has to beat a far more fancied opponent three zero in all so win all three matches in order to, to to go through, and that is the only way they can do it. They it, they could win the, the tie and still not go through by, by winning 2-1. That has elevated it today, and, and it was truly dramatic and thrilling and contributed to that feeling of being drunk on what's gone on because it was so, so absurd. Um, but yeah, well, let's go back to, to the start of the day because even the selection of... Heather Watson was an interesting one, wasn't it? Because here's a player who's been a US Open junior champion. She's been on the British tennis scene for a long, long time. She's had good results. She's had a good ranking. And yet at times she has disappointed and and certainly made me feel as though there's more in there. There's more to Heather Watson than we than we see often enough anyway. Um, but she's an infectious character, and and she even when when it's going badly, she can still kind of make you feel like things are things are okay, things are going to go fine next time, you know. And she got the nod from Anki Othavong, which and I know Katie Bolter in the previous round had some treatment, Matt, but that felt like quite an quite a, a bold decision at the time. And my word, did it pay off? It really did. Sometimes watching Heather Watson can be. This feels a bit harsh, but almost a bit of an excruciating experience because she can get very tight and her matches can sometimes be extremely up and down and dramatic. And that, that, that's what I was expecting from this match against Nuria Paritas-Diaz in, in the first one. And I went into a press conference room with Australia and I came out of that room and Heather Watson was six love up. 
And it just wasn't what I was expecting at all. And I have to say, credit to Anki Othavong for switching it up and going with Heather Watson today because I felt like Katie Bolter probably would get the nod. Um, and, it, and it did make me think maybe she should have played the first match, to be quite honest, because Heather Watson has, has had played very recently in Glasgow and played quite well, but I think picked up a little injury and there was maybe some doubt over whether she was fully fit. She was absolutely saying she was. Whereas Anki Othavon went with Bolter in that, in that first tie against Kazakhstan. And to me, looking back on it now, it almost feels like that was a bit of an emotional pick because of what Bolter did against Kazakhstan a few years ago. Like, kind of like what we were saying about Andy Murray in the Davis Cup being a Glasgow pick. Bolter was a bit of a sort of Kazakhstan pick and a Putin saver pick where she's had good moments before. And I think the hope was that she would recapture some of that magic. And she did for a set. She was brilliant. But then she just couldn't quite sustain it. And actually, I think the better choice because the player in the better form is Heather Watson. So really good of Anki Othavong, I think, to change it up today and get that right. And it was an absolute thrashing. And I should say, I think a contributing factor to the way the events played out today is that Spain had a very, very grueling match with Kazakhstan late last night. And, you know, Parithas Diaz won seven, six in the third. Balosa played three sets and then played doubles as well. Whereas Britain had a day off yesterday. They were fresh today. And I think Spain are not finding excuses. They absolutely are saying they didn't play well enough and Britain played better. But it did feel like there was some fatigue in that Spanish team in a way that it just absolutely wasn't in in the British team. Mm, and, that, and that was vital, really, when you consider how well Badosa played last night against Elena Rabakina to win that to, to win that rubber, and then to come up against Harriet Dart, who is not in her class in terms of world ranking and previous performances, but Dart immediately came out firing and feisty and ready and up for it and believing. Um, and she got the win, 6-3, 6-4. You could see the frustration in Badossa all the way through that match. You know, she was she was knocking on the door. She'd she'd set things up. She'd make a, a an error at the crucial moment that the sort that you just don't really see from a player of that level when she's really on a game. Um, and a, and it was a really emotional Harriet Dart at the end of the match in the on court interview. She had to take a, a few seconds, and she said, I, "I'm I'm getting really emotional here because you know you could. This is what what it's all about. You know, they're obviously world ranking and making a living and being the best tennis player. You can be all these are, are important factors, but in in many ways, this felt like almost a career moment for her. Um, and and it's the one. Okay, still work to do, but it's the one that set this victory up ultimately because that is a." A huge upset. Yeah, this was the one that made me believe that it was possible for Britain to actually do this. You know, halfway through this match where Harriet Dart's really playing well, I started to think this could happen. You know, this really could happen today. And I felt she, I felt like she was brilliant, Harriet Dart. I thought she really read Balossa's serve extremely well. She stepped into the court more than I've seen her do before while also maintaining that sort of scrappy element of her game that that I mean in a really positive way. You know, she's she's a great competitor. And yet I also felt like she was trying to dictate play a little bit at times today because she knew that Velosa had such power that if she let Velosa play, she'd be in trouble. Um, I felt like Velosa was a little bit laboured in some of her movement, a little bit slow sometimes into the corners and trying to go for broke from impossible positions at times. And a very different experience, though, for Belosa. You know, the pressure was on her in, in this match. You know, she was expected to win. Whereas yesterday against Rebecca, I think she quite enjoyed maybe having the pressure off a little bit against the Wimbledon champion. But yeah, Dart was fantastic. And I think that emotion really does display the power of this competition and how much it does matter to the players. You know, some people will probably quite rightly point to the fact that you know, okay, the crowd was good today, but something has been lost crowd-wise, atmosphere-wise with this change of, of format. 
But what hasn't been lost, and this was absolutely true in Prague last year as well, is how much it still matters to the players and how much they care about it and how it feels like a different experience to their regular matches on the tour. And I think Dart's emotion there at the end said everything because, you know, she's had some big wins this year. She beat top 10 player Dario Casacchino at the US Open. And yet it almost felt like this one meant even more to her because she was playing for her country. She was playing for her teammates. And you only, you only really get that in this, in this event. Yeah, you do. Um, and that took us into the doubles, which is the part of the format that I like the, the most, that, that you get uh, important matches decided by doubles. But goodness me, these, are, these were four players I knew little about. Now, I knew that Alicia Barnett and uh, Olivia Nichols were, have, have had a really good year and, and they've, they've been making waves on the tour and they've got themselves well inside the world's top 100 in the doubles ranking. So, you know, this is, this is good success and, and they've given themselves a platform to, to, to build on. And, and I, I was encouraged because I know they, they won the doubles um, a couple of nights ago against Kazakhstan, which despite being too loved down, they came out and did their job. And the fact that Anki Othavong put them in then and they performed, it was we were having a little debate beforehand, weren't we, as to what would you do here? Do, you've got a good player, doubles player like Heather Watson, who's you know, won the singles in emphatic style, full of confidence. We've had all this conversation over Dan Evans recently over whether he should have been in ahead of established doubles players, albeit not a team in in quite the same way that uh, Barnett and Nichols are. But there was there didn't appear to be a murmur of doubt from from what we saw out there. There was ne- there was never a moment where Heather Watson went back into the locker room for a conversation with anybody or anything like that. It, it seemed as though, look, this is my doubles team. This is who's playing. And goodness me, did they come out and prove that they deserved that selection. Absolutely. It was 100% the right decision. And again, credit to Anki Othavong for sticking with them. You know, she brought them onto this team and that has been a great decision because I... I actually think they've been a real breath of fresh air for this team because they're outsiders a little bit. You know, they don't know the rest of the team that well, but they're extremely personable. And I think they've bonded very well with the rest of the team very quickly. And Kjothavong said in her press conference just now that they've, they've had a real life outside of tennis. You know, they're sort of real people with real interests outside of the sport. And therefore, I think they're quite easy to get on with. You know, there's, there's lots of things you can talk to them about. And... They've really gelled very quickly with this team and just brought an infectious energy that the rest of the team has sort of fed off. And getting that win on, what was it, a couple of nights ago against Kazakhstan, that's actually been, you know, as crucial as all the wins today. You know, without that win, Britain wouldn't have gone through to the semifinals. So they've massively, massively contributed. And they played brilliantly in this match, you know, as they would as an established doubles team you know you could tell that they play together regularly by the way that they were coming to the net in sync and you know moving like they were tied together with rope you know there was there was just really nice combinations that you saw throughout and I thought they returned serve really well they just like to get forward they just play as a proper doubles team and they might not have the biggest weapons they might not have the biggest games but their combinations together count for a lot. And more than anything, when I think of them as a doubles team and what they brought to this tie, this, this Billie Jean King Cup finals, I just think of their energy on the court, the way they're so positive and trying to get the crowd involved. And they just, they seem sort of made for this kind of occasion. I'm sort of interested to know whether they're like that on the tour a little bit as well, or whether really they're sort of, throwing themselves into this event in a way that they don't usually. It, it, it's kind of fascinating to watch because they've just fit in perfectly to this event and amazing, a really, really amazing performance. And as soon as they won that first set tie break, they kind of dominated the second set. There were some tight moments. It's, it's, it's um, sudden death deuce in the doubles and they won, you know, some of those important points. Spain won some of those as well, but 
yeah, I was c- kind of watching the whole thing thinking, is this, is this real? What's happening? Did it... Is this Britain? Yeah, quite. And I almost think like Heather Watson on the side and Katie Bolter and Harriet Dart, they were kind of feeling that as well. They were like, not who are these people, but how great is it that they're on our team and we get to play with them? There was just such a nice, nice energy about the whole thing. There was a freshness to the to the yeah. whole thing, including the fact that they they won that deciding. You know, they won the second set that clinched it in a in a matter of fact mm. kind of way. They, they they went away from their opponents. There was never a flicker of doubt in in from what they didn't have any baggage. You know, we often talk mm. about baggage, don't we? They, I just didn't see any of that there at all. Absolutely, and I was really impressed with the way that they came out and didn't seem too tight or too nervous because I feel like their whole role this event has been pretty free of pressure. You know, they've come in and they've played that doubles where you know it was an important point, but it wasn't sort of. It wasn't all eyes on it because Britain had already lost the tie to Kazakhstan. And yet as the day went on today, the pressure did ramp up. You know, Heather Watson did her job. Harriet Dart did her job. And suddenly it was on and it was down to them to deliver. And there there didn't seem to be any sort of shift from them to think, oh, my God, it's down to us now. We'd better do it. They just played the way that they do. And I thought that was really, really refreshing and very much... um, goes with what you're saying about the lack of baggage i think that's that's the perfect description really yeah well now they face australia on saturday which is a mouth-watering prospect really and, and once again australia will be should be heavy favorites in this they they've been brilliant so far in this competition they beat belgium today 3-0 storm sanders thrashing alison von oitbank 6-2-6-2 then isla tomlianovic beating elisa mertens and that was getting a bit dicey wasn't it at one stage because Mertens won the first set 6-4 and I can't quite remember Matt what the the permutations were there but there was a point at which Mertens looked like she was going to go on and win that match and that the whole thing could be on Mm. for Belgium. (laughs) Yeah so the key point in that match was that after Storm Sanders had beaten Alison van Oetvenk and she did it extremely Easily, I think people were sort of wondering why Alison Van Oetvenk hadn't played for Belgium in in the first tie. Yeah, to be honest, it became very obvious after about ten minutes of seeing her today why she hadn't played yesterday. She, she was really bad today, Alison Van Oetvenk, just lacking all of her usual sharpness and just just not a good performance. But Sanders put her away in straight sets, and then you had this scenario where. Belgium had to win the remaining two matches. So Mertens versus Tomjanovic and then the doubles. They had to win them in straight sets. And if they'd done that, they would have gone through to the semifinals. Anything else, just one set for Australia would have been enough for Australia. So that that felt like a tall order for Belgium, you know, and in particular for Elise Mertens, who, as we know, had only sort of just arrived in the country and was, was still having a lot of jet lag. And yet she started against Tomjanovic on a mission. She was 6-4, 40 love up, playing brilliantly, just so good. And then a combination, I think, of Tomjanovic really digging in. And I was so impressed that she didn't give up on that match. She, she fought well. She was so resilient. And Merton's starting to unravel a little bit meant that from that point on, Mertens didn't win another game and Tomjanovic mounted the comeback, won the second set and then at three love in the decider, I think someone whispered in Mertens' ear that it was over, there was no point pushing it anymore and she retired with with a shoulder injury. And Mertens and Belgium captain Johan van Herk were a little bit annoyed at the scheduling, the fact that Belgium had to play at 10am both days you know, because for Elise Mertens, having to wake up early meant that she just had less preparation time and she was already exhausted. And look, there was not really any way that the organisers could try and help everyone who was potentially going to be at the WTA finals when they made the schedule. You know, that was potentially loads of players. And I just think Belgium got a little bit unlucky there with the fact that they didn't have a little bit more time to rest and, and for Mertens to come in. But obviously that just goes back to the problem generally with the two events being so close to each other. Um, and then Australia uh, finished it off in the doubles 
And Storm Sanders played with Sam Stoza, who she idolizes and is her hero. And they'd never played doubles together before. And it was an amazing sort of moment for for Storm Sanders to get to share the court with with a legend like Sam Stoza. So um, they're in a really good place, Australia. And I think it will be tougher for Britain against them than it was against Spain. It feels like Australia was just in a better place, a bit stronger across the board. But after what's happened today, God knows. <laughs> yeah. Well, it should at least mean that we have one heck of an atmosphere on Saturday when Australia play against Great Britain. We haven't got the schedule for that. We don't know exactly what time that one is. The two matches are 10 and 4. Yes. Mass? And it, I, I'm pretty sure it will be at 10 because um, oh, okay. because the one at four will be uh, the other side of the draw and those teams are playing tomorrow and one of them is playing tomorrow night. So it wouldn't be fair to give them, you know, such little turnaround. So I'm pretty sure that Australia, Great Britain will be 10 o'clock on uh, Saturday. Okay. And I heard today that they're going to release another 600 tickets uh, priced at £20 each, I believe, um, for anybody who wants to to get one. So go to the Billie Jean King uh, com website and you'll be able to uh, find those tickets. Um, we'll also post a, a link in our show notes and, uh, yeah, pack the place out, make it a cracking atmosphere. Um, and, uh, you know, if you do go, and you own a tennis podcast t-shirt like Valerie Chisholm did today <laughs> and got herself on TV wearing our t-shirt. Fantastic, Valerie. Good work. Uh, yeah, wear your, wear your tennis podcast t-shirts, sweatshirts, whatever you got. Um, and we'll look out for you. Um, well, listen, that was fantastic today um, to see both Australia and Great Britain in in such rich form. And, uh, and it does make for a, a really enticing prospect over the weekend. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel. And Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. What else has gone on today, Matt? Because uh, we had... uh, Canada up against Italy today. Now, I was watching this match pretty closely because you were on Australia-Belgium, weren't you, at the time? And and I, I'm i immediately drawn to this because Bianca Andreescu finds herself 2-5 down, set point down in the first set against a player you might need to help me with the pronunciation of here, Elisabetta Cocciaretto. I think it might be Cocciaretto. Ah, oh, nearly. Mm, but Good try. We just go for it, as you said the other day. <laughs> Um, but Andrescu turned that around. She won that first set 7-6. She just started to ramp up the come-ons and the let's-goes, and she was really into the match. And, and start, You start to see the class of a player like her when she really gets into it, and, and she sort of just overwhelmed her opponent in the end. And I think 
Kotiretta must have really she, she she felt the force of Andrescu at the end of that first set, and the the problem was she didn't have a poker face at all. <laughs> <laughs> she just sort of telegraphed how well it was going or how badly it was going at every single juncture of the match. And second set six two, so that put Canada one zero up. And then in the second rubber, I I didn't even get a chance to turn it on, and it was over. Six love, six love, a double bagel in the Billie Jean King Cup for Leila Fernandez over Martina Trevisan. That is quite something. I was asked today who I felt might run the most on court. You know, some there's this Microsoft uh, stats people here who are doing a lot of tracking, a lot of sort of new insights into the game. And they were looking for someone who they felt m- might run a lot today. And in the worst prediction of all time, I said, Trevisan. I said, she's feisty. She's tough to beat. It's, you know, it's likely that her match with Fernandez could be a bit of an epic. I reckon you should, you should keep track of how far Trevisan runs and tracks down balls. And I mean, she was completely blown away. I think 44 minutes, six love, six love. The first double bagel of Fernandez's pro career. You have to go back to the 2019 French Open Juniors for the last time she actually double bageled anyone. And then not only that, but Fernandez then came out and played doubles and won that 6-1, 6-1. She played two matches <laughs> and was only on court for she's, 90 minutes. She's perfect for this competition. <laughs> oh, she? so great. So great. That is such a fascinating team Canada at the moment. You've got Andrescu in the number two singles, Fernandez, who, as you said, perfect for the competition, and then a pretty strong doubles team as well. Where does that leave Canada now? So it leaves Canada enticingly in a straight shootout tomorrow with Switzerland. I am very excited about tomorrow. We've got two straight shootouts. The winner of Canada, Switzerland will go through to the semifinals and the winner of USA, Czech Republic will go through to the semifinals. So you can kind of view tomorrow's matches as two quarterfinals, if you like, because then the winners play each other. And Switzerland, Canada tomorrow morning has a lot of ingredients to be brilliant, I think. We've got um, Andrescu, who will probably play Teichmann, Although I'd be interested to know whether Switzerland might switch things up because Andrescu's beaten Teichmann very recently, has a positive head-to-head record there and won the two matches she's won pretty convincingly. So there's the option to bring in Golubic, who also has a losing record against Andrescu, but it was extremely tight at the US Open last year. So I think they'll probably go with Teichmann, but you know maybe maybe there'll be a surprise there. And then you've got Fernandez against Bencic, who have actually got a little bit of a rivalry going on. Bengtschik just managed to beat Fernandez for the first time uh, in Guadalajara just just a couple of weeks ago. But otherwise, Fernandez has had the better of of that rivalry, including in this competition before and at the French Open this year. So they've played some big matches. So yes, please to that one tomorrow morning. I'm I'm really excited for that. I was going to say. Has Catherine taken over the agenda? Because <laughs> in both, after both of the, the 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 matches tomorrow, in block caps, it says the words "Yes, please." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, either Matt has uh, just been taken over by uh, Catherine, or Catherine's taken over the agenda. Anyway, <laughs> the result is the same. Uh, what what about you, you mentioned Czech Republic? That match kind of got lost for me today because I was concentrating so much on Britain and Australia, but Czech Republic played Poland and that wasn't straightforward, was it? It wasn't, no. It went to a deciding doubles. Um, It was pretty straightforward, the matches they won. Karolina Mukova won very impressively in straight sets. Then Karolina Pliskova had a bit of a disaster and lost pretty handily to Magda Lynette. Shout out to her, who's beaten Madison Keys and... Karolina Pliskova over the last couple of days. She's had she's had a really good event. I think the I think the pressure's been off a bit for Poland. You know, without Iga Świątek here, they've just sort of thought, well, let's go for it. Let's play with a bit of freedom. And Magda Lynette has played really, really well in singles anyway, because then in the doubles, it was pretty straightforward for Siniakova and Vondrosheva. But yeah, it was a it was strange because 
the Czechs, this was their first match in the competition. You know, four countries have already been eliminated before the Czechs have even played their first match. It was just quite strange. It was like, oh, yeah, Czech Republic are here and they're one of the strongest teams in the competition. It sort of changes how you feel about the event and some of the teams we've seen so far. But, yeah, fascinating tomorrow. Czech Republic, USA, winner goes through to the semifinals. Bring it on. And fascinating from a selection point of view that mm. match given that Pliskov has gone and lost 6-4-6-1 today we, we were talking about Madison Keys, how she wasn't looking great so we thought maybe Coco Goff might come in that is gonna be really interesting tomorrow isn't it just is it's an hour before isn't it that they have to submit their their selections yes that's right that's when we'll know I do expect changes as you said from both teams I'm not sure we'll be seeing Madison Keys. And I'm not sure we'll be seeing Pliskova. But then who do the Czechs play? I guess Vondrosheva and Mukova probably in singles. Mm. And hope to win one of them and then hope to win the doubles, I, I guess. But Mukoko um, looked extremely strong last night. Yeah. Oh, it's really it's really bubbling up nicely now, mm. this, isn't it? Uh, so this is Canada against Switzerland at 10 in the morning. Is that right? No, I've, I've got a lie-in tomorrow. It's a little bit oh. it's a little bit delayed because it's Armistice Day and they are starting after the minute silence at 11 o'clock. So it's, a, it's an hour later tomorrow. Okay, so that's Canada, Switzerland at 11. Then the US against Czech Republic at four again, is it? Yeah, so it could be a late one. Okay. Well, I don't care, mate. As long as it's like this, as long as it's mm. it's buzzing out there, I'm quite happy to stay up. It's fine. Um, right. Okay. Well, that pretty much sums up what we've had at the Billie Jean King Cup today. Is there anything else that you want to impart, Matt, from the grounds in Glasgow? What's the weather like? I barely see the outdoors, David. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a windowless room for 15 hours every day. But it's great. Okay, well... <laughs> but I think it's cold and raining. Catherine was uh, overheating in her hotel room today because they couldn't turn the heating off in her room. <laughs> there were all sorts of handymen who weren't particularly handy trying to sort things out. And uh, <laughs> we were getting uh, detailed reports um, and lots of lots of swear words. Um, but, you know, she, she got there in the end and, uh, and now she's in Turin ahead of the ATP finals, which um, kind of out of nowhere suddenly revealed their draw. Um, I didn't know it was going on. Uh, there didn't appear to be any live streaming of it. Uh, they just sort of announced it um, on, on kind of on the grapevine. <laughs> and, uh, um, so it turns out the uh, the ATP finals groups, I mean, that, I, th- I do think they're quite enticing. The, uh, the one group has Rafael Nadal, Kasper Ruud, Felix Auger-Aliassime, and Taylor Fritz, and then the other group, I think it's the red group. I can't exactly remember which one's which. Green group and red group. Can't remember which one's which. Doesn't really matter. Um, but the other group has Daniel Medvedev, Andre Rublev, Stefano Tsitsipas, and Novak Djokovic. Mm. I mean, that is something to look forward to, isn't it? I mean, a Djokovic Medvedev round robin for a start. Look at you getting excited about round robin. Been a, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm into it's it been now, a Matt. true transformation thanks to uh, yeah, it's today. Full circles, <laughs> my new thing. I tell you, I'm into it. <laughs> well, when you see those groups, that does whet the appetite, doesn't it? Because I think I think Djokovic is just going to relish that. I mean, he's he's in that he's the lowest ranked player in that group, isn't he? Because he's what seven in the world, um, and but you know. That's obviously irrelevant because he's the best player in that group if if all other things are equal. But looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really interesting. Catherine's going to be at Media Day interviewing all these players and presenting the Prime Video coverage next week. So we'll we'll get her on the podcast the next day or two and find out the goss on site. Um, I'll just run you through the, uh, the order of play because we've got the first de- couple of days of that. Uh, Sunday, they start with the doubles. Uh, Aravalo and Roher against, or is it Roger? I don't know. Against Glasspool and Heliavara. Roger, um, I think. Jean Julien Roger. Roger. Of course. Uh, and then we've got uh, Felix Ogiani Asim starting singles at two o'clock local time up against Casper Rude. Then it's Raman Salisbury at 6 30 in the evening in the doubles uh, up against Granoyes and Zabias. 
And then it's Nadal Fritz uh, late on at the nine o'clock match. Cracky, pretty late, isn't it? Um, on uh, on Monday, they've got, uh, oh my goodness, I did not know Kyrgios and Kakanakis were in this event, but they are. And they're off against Kulhoff and Skupski. Well, I mean, that makes for a really interesting element to the event, doesn't it? That Kyrgios and Kakanakis are going to be there. Then it's uh, two o'clock. Uh, Daniel Medvedev against uh, Andre Rublev. Then it's Mektic against Pavic. Uh, sorry, it's Mektic and Pavic. <laughs> I'd quite like to see Mektic against Pavic in a singles. Who'd, who'd win that? Do you think? That'd be really interesting. <laughs> Matt's actually thinking about it. I genuinely did do a moment's thinking and then thought, no, don't waste your brain power thinking about that. Pavic. I I'd go for Mektic. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it's Mektic and Pavic up against Dodig and Krychek, not Richard, Austin. Uh, and then final match of the day is Novak Djokovic against Stefano Tsitsipas, which is obviously coming off the back of their pretty close match in Paris recently. So um lot to look forward to mm. in Turin. I think, I think it's going to be, I mean, it's obviously a blow about uh, Alcaraz not being fit, but still. That when when you actually write the names down and look at the matches, I'm up for it big time. And just reading out the doubles pairings there, just how notable it is that there are three Brits there with you know Glasspool, um, Salisbury, and Skupski. But of course, none of them with British partners, which feels like a a very sort of relevant topic of conversation during an event like this at the Billie Jean King Cup finals and throwing it ahead to the Davis Cup. If Britain can just find a doubles pairing, you know, like they have for the Billie Jean King Cup, you can you can see how it can make such a big difference. And we've got a lot of good doubles players. They just don't necessarily have the British partner. Mm. And and just to flip that on its head, having seen what Salisbury and Skupski have achieved in recent years, and and now Lloyd Glasspool as well. Surely Alicia Barnett and Olivia Nichols must look at that and think, well, we've just come out on a big stage and shown what we can do. Maybe maybe in the next two or three years, they could be right up in the top 20 or even the top 10 of the, the doubles rankings. I mean, they look like a really good team. So... Anyway, it's it's great to see new players come along and uh, and perform as well as those two have today. And congratulations to all the teams that have already reached the semi-finals. We look forward to this weekend of action. Um, but first, we've got uh, these cracking ties tomorrow that we're going to be bringing you, and then we'll have another podcast tomorrow night to to look back on all of that as well. Um, our mascot for today is a couple of absolutely gorgeous dogs called Bruce and Georgia. They're owned by Marshall Stewart and Tommy Walters. Now, Bruce and Georgia are brother and sister chocolate Labradors, aged seven and five from different litters. They live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the United States, and their favorite activities, we're told, include hiding under the table, waiting for fallen snacks, going for walks, and snuggling under pillows and blankets whenever they can find them which sounds like a very good thing to be doing. And they are, they look majestic, don't they? They're, they're sort of peering up at the camera as if to say, what of it? We'll do, what, we'll do it when we want. <laughs> we'll go walk when we're ready. Yes, they look to but, me like uh, they might also be waiting for some treats. Yeah, well, that's also a good, a good idea at all times. Um, but uh, I've really enjoyed this podcast today, Matt. I've really enjoyed the tennis in general. Um, be, be nice to have Catherine back with us. Hopefully that's tomorrow, uh, and if not, over the weekend at some point. Uh, we've got our own personal mascots. I've got Darwin. Catherine's got Carter. Matt has the dearly departed Gerald. Uh, Billie Jean the Canine is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. Our executive producers and top blokes are Chris Albert Lee and Carl Weingartner. And Matt, we have... Shout outs tonight because it's only 11.15 in the evening. That's right. Yeah, an early finish. And not only do we have shout outs <laughs> and you said we don't have Catherine on the podcast today, which of course we don't, but it is the return of Catherine does WhatsApp shout out analysis, which was oh, a favorite of ours during the US Open a few times. Yeah. So we'll start today with Andy Morikawa in Blacksburg, Virginia. 
And All right, Andy. Catherine has exactly the same thought that I had. Any relative of Colin Morikawa, the golfer. Um, oh, yes. Yes. Uh, that's, that's a very good point. Catherine also says, to my knowledge, Billy Joel has written no songs about Blacksburg, but there's still time. <laughs> Absolutely. Get you, get you, pull your finger out, Billy, and get yourself a song about it. We've also got Carolyn Sullivan in Nashville, Tennessee. All right, Carolyn. Catherine says, how wonderful to be from Nashville. Taylor Swift made her parents move there from Pennsylvania when she was a kid because she knew it was the place to be for musicians. And Taylor knows what's what. Correct. Even I know that. No notes. Also, I once watched the television series called Nashville uh, under initially duress from my (laughs) wife. Um, Didn't want to watch it, if I'm honest. Um, Then found myself getting really into it. And uh, your wife knows what's what as well. Oh, well, absolutely. And I know what's what if I do what I'm told and watch the thing she wants to watch. Um, it's, it's it's really good. You know, you really get into it. Uh, and and the music's quite good too. And I've, I've ended up, you know, knowing a few of the songs and singing along. But I'm not going to do that here. <laughs> Who else have we got, Matt? Thanks ever so much, Carolyn. We've got Darcy Packett, who is a long-term resident of Seoul although originally from the US, and his fun fact is that he translates Korean films for a living. And he says... How cool. He says, if you've ever seen the movie Parasite, those were my subtitles, which... Whoa! I must say, Parasite is one of my favourite films. So I just think this is absolutely awesome. He says that he became a tennis fan during the pandemic as well. And uh, that the podcast has been a companion for him during those times. And Catherine says that Parasite's one of the best films she's seen in the last decade as well. And that she's fascinated by the translation of art and literature. It's an art form in itself. So generally, well done for being cool, Darcy, from Catherine. Yeah, I would say pretty high up in the rankings for coolest listener. Mm. And we've got quite a few of those. Have you seen Parasite, David? No. No. Okay. What's it about? Well, I won't tell you because I went to see it not knowing anything about it. And I think that is the perfect way to enjoy the film. It's kind of mind blowing. If if I'm honest, that's kind of my favorite way to watch any film. Right. I don't want to, I like to listen to the review uh, on one of my favorite film shows, Komodo Mayo, after I've watched it. But I don't want to, I don't want any spoilers. I don't want to see any trailers. I don't want to see anything. Right, Parasite. Okay, is it just uh, just one thing I need to check? Is it scary? Yes. Oh, cr- I don't know whether I can watch it. <laughs> okay, uh, can I watch it on my own, or do I need some company? I think what? Uh, yeah, I think company. That'd be nice. It's it's not about it being nice, Matt. It's about whether it's going to freak me out if I'm on my own. That's that's the point. I don't want to be scared before I, you know, go to bed. I feel like you you need to make these decisions yourself, David. Okay. All right. I'll try. Okay. I'm only 49. So, you know, I can't really say I'm too young for it, um, but I'll give it a go. Okay. Uh, who else we got, Matt? We've got Hélène Hérault from France. In fact, she's from right, Poitiers. And Catherine says, I've been to Poitiers. Family holiday as a kid. We had a day out at Futuroscope. And I will interject there and say that I also had a day out at Futuroscope with my family. And Catherine says, which now I think about was actually a very cool thing and I didn't appreciate enough at the time. I feel massively left out <laughs> in this podcast because I haven't seen Parasite, I haven't made a Poitiers. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done anything. Well, Ellen has a lovely story that she says the podcast helped her to improve her listening skills in English and pass her exam. Oh, well, I feel a bit better about life now, Ellen. Thanks so much. You've built my confidence. And it's a, it's a joy for us to have you as a friend of the show. Thank you. And the last shout out today is for someone we know, Bob Stocking. All right, Bob. He is in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And he's a, he's a lovely guy, is Bob. Oh, he really is. We did it. We, we had a good old chat with Bob, didn't we? And uh, and he no, he was a lovely bloke, and uh, delighted to have him shouted out on today's podcast, which feels like a, I don't know, 
It just feels like a really good day mm. in the tennis world today. I've really enjoyed it. Um, maybe if you're a Spain fan, you're not so into it. Um, and I, just one other thing about that. That bench of theirs didn't exactly get excited about anything, did it? And I know they're having a bit of a rough time, but they looked like they were waiting for it to end all the way through. And I thought, come on, just get into it, will you? Yeah. No, and look, I mean, I actually really think being part of the bench on one of these teams is actually quite an important role. Like, you've really got to do your bit and bring some energy because otherwise, if the other team's doing it, that's kind of an immediate advantage that they've got over you. It's it's tiring. They're long days, long ties, but you, you can make a small difference, I think, on the bench. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all for being our friends uh, of the Tennis Podcast. That's our subscription service that gives access to bonus podcasts. We've got loads of them there for you, more than, more than 20 shows that we've already produced in addition to what we do the rest of the year. Um, so many of you are already friends, and you're all welcome uh, to come and listen and join us. Uh, if you want to introduce a show, if you want a shout out like uh, all of those uh, lovely people have just had, uh, you can do that. Uh, we'll also be opening our pet categories for mascot opportunities in 2023 on December the 8th. Um, but I'm going to go and watch Parasite and book a trip to Poitiers um, and then I'll go to bed. So, Matt, it's been lovely. I'll we'll see you tomorrow. 